Hey, and welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Tweedale, aka Are You Kristen Feminist Scrapbooker. This is the season of experimentation brought to you by the Awesome Ladies Project. Join our free community today at theawesomeladiesproject.com. Hi, everybody. Today I have Nicole Stevenson from Dear Handmade Life. I am so excited. As you know, she is my first solo interview, and I honestly don't think I could have found a more perfect person to talk to. So Nicole has sent me over a fantastic bio and the things that I picked out that I love the most is that she is fighting imposter syndrome as are we all. She loves to deep dive into conversations. And as I was talking to her before, she has incredible things that she does. She has a blog. She has a podcast. She has craftcation, which if you've never heard of craftcation, we'll talk about it a little bit. But also you need to go and Google that and just dream of being there. Cause I have dreamt of being there for just half a decade now. And the one thing we are definitely going to get into today is Camp DHL, which I'm pretty sure I'm also going to have to attend. So hi, Nicole. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm really good. So tell us a little bit more about you that I did not just run down. Uh, my name is Nicole Stevenson, and that's a that's a repeat. But it's hard to introduce yourself without saying your name first. I feel like I mean, totally. maybe I need to maybe I need to try it out. And I am the uh, CEO and creative director of Dear Handmade Life. And at Dear Handmade Life, we produce events, education, and uh, community for creatives and also for passionate small business owners. So uh, our we started out with our patchwork show, which is our modern makers festival. It's kind of like Etsy come to life, but with food trucks and music, at least it was like that before COVID. It's a little toned down as we are still within the COVID regulations with our permitting. permitting. Uh, and we do those throughout California. And then we also have what you mentioned, which is our craftcation conference. And so that's a four day business and craft uh, conference in Ventura, California, which is, if you're not familiar with California, it's in Southern California and our hotel is a block from the beach. So you're hanging out with 500 creative people, but also down to earth creative people where you could just turn your head at any point and start a conversation and not have to worry about you know, what they think of how you're dressed or, you know, what they think of how many followers you have on Instagram or any of that. I mean, whether the person next to you has a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and is dressed like to the nines and they look like they're ready for the ultimate selfie in front of a mural or whether, you know, it's an older crafting lady who doesn't even have an Instagram, you know, and who's wearing some old peasant dress Whoever it is, they're there to have these genuine relationships and conversations. You were talking about the two different types of people and they're both there to have a genuine conversation and then go from there. So aside from the people at Craftcation, which are from all walks of life, and they're all there to create those genuine connections. Aside from that, you have 200 business and craft classes and wellness classes like yoga and meditation and more. So 
you're learning, but you're also creating these relationships. I could talk about craftcation all day, but I'm going to skip to our next thing, which is we have a blog where we have hundreds of blog posts, all different resources about creativity and building a, you know, a business from your passion and also just living intentionally and with purpose. And then also a podcast, which is kind of about the same stuff. And I also, we design maker, we call them maker anthem tees. So they're t-shirts that have sayings like make all the things and stay crafty and some enamel pins and stuff like that. So basically if you're a creative or a passionate small business owner, or if you aspire to be either of those, either of those things, come hang out with us because you're our people, you're our place. You're going to feel at home at Dear Handmade Life. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's everyone who listens to the show. That's awesome. The first thing I'd love to dive into is, oh, I definitely want to dive into Camp DHL. Which I didn't even mention in our list of things, so. <laughs> I know, right? And that's coming up, that's coming up soon. Yeah, so this is our our newest thing. It's called Camp Dear Handmade Life, and it's an at-home summer camp themed experience for creatives. So it's an at-home experience. The theme, it's all summer camp themed. So instead of a gift bag, we have care packages and where all of the curriculum that you're studying is, is called the lodge. So everything is, um, has a really cool summer camp feel to it. And it's made up of a couple different parts. So the first part is that it's a six week goal getting course. So each week, a different modules released with videos and worksheets and downloads all centered around how to uncover your goals and then how to actually get them. So it's a kind of a three-part thing where we're working on your mindset and we're working on actually taking action. So instead of learning, oh, oh, you know, when you read kind of like a self-development book, there's all this great stuff and you're underlining, you know, like you're just going bananas underlining everything. But then at the end, you may be asking yourself, how do I actually put this in action and see these results in my life? And so that's what this course is. It's the mindset, it's the philosophy behind it, but it's actually, okay, here's what you need to do right now, A, B, and C. And here's a checklist for you to make sure that you actually do that thing. And then the other part we offer is support. So when you sign up, you're paired up. We custom match everyone. They answer a short little questionnaire when they register into a virtual cabin. So every week you meet with your virtual cabin mates and you have an agenda that you go over and suggested topics and questions. It's a very small group between six and 10 people. And you meet virtually to go over that coursework to talk about, you know, what difficulties you're having, what inspirations you got, you can get feedback. And then they're also all throughout creative projects. So for example, the night that we're recording this, it happens to be our welcome party. So tonight, um, everybody's going to join in, uh, you know, over zoom for our welcome party. I'm going to give a pep talky speech, and then we're going to have a guest presenter come on and te- do a hand lettering class. And so we're all going to be doing that, you know, all over the world. We have attendees from all over the world. And then the whole experience culminates with a three-day virtual summit with craft and business classes, wellness activities. We have yoga, journaling, meditation. We have uh, walking meditations, just really cool stuff. It's a lot. It's our first time doing an event like this. So 
It was like every idea I had, I was like, let's just throw it all in. Let's over deliver. <laughs> let's have people register, you know, who register say, this is way more than I thought it was going to be so that they can pick and choose what they love. And then the next time we do it, we can kind of hone in on, you know, what, what people love the most and what worked the best. But right now it's, uh, it's a lot in a great way, but it's kind of like one of those choose your own adventure books. So if you're there for craft, you're going to take all the crafting classes. If you're there for business, you're going to take all the business, business classes. And you can also kind of create your own experience and do a little bit of everything. So that's what Camp Your Handmade Life is all about. That sounds amazing. I have a question. You can tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. This seems like, and, and a, lot of, a lot of your projects seem like they're more geared towards the feminine economy and away from the masculine capitalist way of creating a product and bringing it to market. Is that, do you think that's because it is crafting in the crafting world or do you see that more as a way that you want to bring businesses to life? I really had never thought about it as a feminine or masculine take on the, on the economy before, but it's interesting that you bring it up. And I will say that most of our audience are female identifying. So we definitely have a very feminine energy throughout, you know, our, our online and in-person events, although we welcome, you know, men and people who identify as men too, for sure. And we definitely have some, but it is mainly women and women and people who identify as women. And I, yeah, I haven't really thought about it as masculine or feminine. I just think of it as living intentionally and creating and by that, I mean, every moment of our lives, we have a choice <laughs> of, of what we're going to do. And so being aware of what that choice is and then making it. So whether that choice is I'm going to spend, you know, an hour laying in bed and eating ice cream <laughs> and um, watching bad TV or even good TV, <laughs> as opposed to spending that hour doing research for my you know, next business venture that's totally fine. As long as I'm aware of that choice, I think it's the, when we're just kind of on autopilot and going and going through and going through our lives, the opposite of that is what I want to help people do. I want to help them not be on autopilot. And I think, um, because the people that I tend to work with are creatives, it tends to be a more, more of a feminine, a feminine world, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of that, exactly what you're talking about, that not wanting to, to see people on autopilot and, and helping people create businesses that can exist on their own terms and don't have to, you know, you don't have to do this business fits, you know, one size fits all business. You know, if you want to create t-shirts, then you have to do it this way. Or if you want to create craft events, then you have to do it this way. Everything that, you know, on everything that you've created is so unique, but also 
replicable in somebody's own unique way. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we have had people who were vendors at our events that now produce their own craft shows. And, you know, they've kind of, as a vendor, they get to see behind the scenes at how we do things. So they, and then they decided to produce their own events, which is great. And there's two people in particular that I'm, that I'm thinking of right now, but both of their events are completely different than ours. Yes, we do have vendor crossover. You know, we have some vendors that will actually do all three of our events, but when you go to their events, I mean, maybe the average consumer might not see that big of a difference, but I think someone who's more of a conscious consumer and more aware would notice, okay, like this kind of has this feel and this one kind of has this feel. Like this is more like modern bohemian and this one's more like eclectic community, everybody. And this one's more like um, feminist, you know, girl style, you know? So I think someone who was like really looking could, could see the difference. Um, and I think that's good whether somebody, whether through what I do, somebody somebody's business incubates to start a craft show or whether it's their craft show that's incubating or whether, you know, whatever it is, that's, that's my goal. And I do feel like there is enough for everyone. And I can't, I can't spend my time worrying about, you know, <laughs> worrying about the competition. It's good to be aware of them, but I need to use that time to put my head down and work. <laughs> right. And, and, Competition is only so much as, you know, a consumer is only going to buy product A versus product B. And so many of our consumers are like, no, give me both product A and product B. And we also need to be creating an economy that can support business A and business B because it's, we we need business A and business B to survive because it's not good when we only have business A to buy things from. Yeah. Well, and you, you mentioned capitalism and I feel like I have this love hate relationship with capitalism. There's, I love, I love having a free market economy <laughs> very much. I love, you know, being in a, being in a democracy. I'm very grateful for that. But at the same time, like I definitely see how capitalism can make things very different, very difficult for especially creative people, especially sensitive creative people. So, yes, I think love hate is exactly how to, to describe it. And it's really helpful to talk about like, well, you know, here's our struggle, especially as women who own businesses who sell products and services. Yeah. I mean, do you feel, I feel like there's a negative connotation around money in the, in the creative business world. Like people of kind course. of don't want to talk about it. And if you want it, you're, you know, there's the idea of the starving artist. And I remember when I was younger and I had my handmade business, it was like, we would talk about like, who was a sellout, you know, this person's a sellout. They're doing this, you know, this person, you know, it was like, we had this kind of punk rock mentality. And I think about, I, I've been doing a lot of personal work around money because I have my own money mindset issues. So, you know, it's something that is like front of mind for me over, over the past couple of years. So, and I've, one of the things that has really helped me is 
thinking about money as allowing me to serve more people. Yes. And allowing me to do, to do what I, what I do better to think about it as a tool. So, um, yeah. And if anybody out there that's listening is feeling like, Hmm, I feel like I have money mindset issues and like starving artists that rings a bell for me. I urge you to check out this book. That's called overcoming under earning by Barbara Stanny. It's, uh, she's, she's an older white woman. So keep that in mind when you read the book and she did not start making money until she was in her forties. And she has a lot of exercises and quizzes in the book that kind of help you unearth what's behind, behind your thing. And I feel like for me, anything that I need to work on, it's, it has those three things, working on my mindset, taking the action towards it, and then getting the support, (laughs) the support that I need. So when I read that book, I actually um, read it with a friend of mine. So that's where I got the support is we read the book together. We went through the exercises together. And then we, um, each week when we read it, we uh, picked actions that we would take. And then we took, we kept each other accountable. I love that so much follow up to that how do you how do you how do you get work done as someone who doesn't work in a traditional office I am pretty lucky that I am very self-motivated I don't know if it's lucky but it's just part of my personality I love checking things off my to-do list I'm also a morning person so I wake up very motivated in the morning which has been hard because I just, I had my first child uh, about a year and a half ago. And in the morning, I, I, that's kind of my time that I take care of him. So it's like my most productive time of day is spent um, not doing the work that I kind of need to be doing during, during that time. So it's been, it's been quite, quite an adjustment. Um, And I think too, when I first started Cause it's been a while that I, that I've worked for myself. It's been over 20 years. And when I first started, I just, I knew I did not, I, I was, I had left graduate school. I was in, in graduate school and I kind of was like, this, this isn't for me. I was started making art and I really loved that. And I'd always waited tables, which I actually loved waiting tables too, but I didn't want to do that anymore. I, I just kept telling myself and I didn't, I didn't realize that it was actually a mantra at the time I was just saying I want to make a living doing something creative I think what I actually said was I want to pay my rent doing something creative now that was it and I just said it all the time because that was all I all I could think of and in order to do that I had to learn how to be self-motivated I didn't really give myself another another choice but for people who don't have, who don't have that same, uh, personality that, that I have, I definitely suggest an accountability partner or an accountability pod, which is, you know, more than, more than one person, it can be three or more. I think it gets hard when you have, you know, eight, 10 more than that, it it gets really difficult, but having more than one can be nice. Sometimes like I tend to work best in a triad. That's like my ultimate situation. Like if I go on a trip (laughs) and I, maybe it's because I grew up as an only child. So it was me and my mom and dad. So I'm used to being in a group of three people. So it really is about looking at, looking at yourself, looking at your working style and seeing 
like just spend a week, you know, jotting down little notes when you're working, you know, geez, I feel, I, I didn't realize, but I feel really energized at night after I put the kids to bed. So I'm going to work between nine and 11 and I'm going to sleep in for an extra hour in the morning or whatever the situation is. Or maybe you notice that it does help you to check in once a week with somebody. So you find you, you can even ask a friend who's not a business person. Maybe they have another goal that they're trying to stay accountable for. Maybe they're trying to lose weight or maybe they're trying to save money, you know, whatever, maybe they're doing some personal, you know, emotional work or something. It could be the same thing. And you could check in like, okay, Hey, I'm going to send you my top 10 for the week on Monday. And then on Saturday, I'm going to tell you what I checked off. And it could be as simple as like a Google spreadsheet where you each check in and see what you've checked off. So just looking and trying and figuring out what you need to make happen, what you need to happen, and then going after that stuff. That's amazing advice. I love that. I love that so much because I think people really... I think they're worried. I think women especially have been socialized to not ask for help. And yes. (laughs) And when like when two people need help or three people need help or four people need help, just set up a time to help each other once a week, once every two weeks, you know, once a month, just have a check-in. And you don't have to be perfect nobody's perfect. There is no perfect, especially when you're setting the goals. And the most important thing is to just be honest so that you can pivot and get done what you want to get done. Okay. I love that you, I just really quickly want to say, I love that you brought that up about perfection because I feel like that's, this idea is one of those things that we see all over Pinterest and Instagram, you know, progress over perfection, but you really, if you really think about it, it like really internalize that yes, progress over perfection. That's what it's saying. It's saying, be kind to yourself, give yourself a break. You know, the journey is, you know, on the way to the destination, all, all of those things. So, oh my God, we could talk about like, I am this is something that I've been on a huge, I've been on a huge kick about this lately. And I know that this is something that my wonderful people and my wonderful friends who are listening need to hear because I've needed to hear it all the time. There is no such thing as perfection. Like it just, and I know we like, we were socialized so hard. I mean, most of us were the kids who got hundreds on tests in school and we brought home the stars and the grades, or we figured out early on that that didn't matter. And we internalized that to think, okay, how do I get a hundred percent on this art project? And that's not a thing. And so like, so many of us freeze up when we're creating. And then we have the internet. We have this wonderful thing called the internet with this wonderful thing called social media where everyone posts their beautiful 
I want to say manicured. I think manicured is my favorite word for crafts that have been perfected to be posted on social media. And people are like, I need to make every, every single piece of art I make needs to be exactly like that, or it's not worth creating. And I want to draw that out from people. Like I want to like, I feel like that's, anytime I see that, I feel like the only thing I see in my head, the only thing I see in my head is like old timey medicine where we have to put leeches on people to suck that out of them. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's so toxic. And I love just like everything on your site is like, if you are not like those other creative people, you belong here. And that's like, that's us. That's that's everybody who's trying to figure out that when we're painting with watercolors or, you know, messing around with tissue paper or stamps, those things are designed to look imperfect. And that's the beauty. And I love that part about it. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about being part of the crafting community is that there's so much beauty in the weirdness. And I think like that that's what's so cool about community as well. When you create the community, the people come and then they get to be vulnerable and you can create even better art. So in your bio, you talked a bit about imposter syndrome. Can you tell me a little bit about your imposter syndrome journey and how you got to where you are now? Sure. I still struggle with imposter syndrome. So <laughs> let me start let me start out by saying that. Uh, it's kind of interesting because I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I'm writing this, I've written this course about goal getting. And a lot of what I talk about in there is mindset. And part of mindset is imposter, mm-hmm. is, is working through your imposter syndrome. That's definitely a part of it. And as I was writing this course, I had this moment where um, one of the, one of the women on our team, Katie Mack, uh, she, we do a lot of the creative online work together. So we collab collaborate a lot. And I was telling her she hadn't seen all of the course yet. And I said, you know, I'm writing this and I feel like this is the work that I'm meant to be doing. Like, this is what all these other things I've been doing have been leading up to. This is like my next thing. This is, this feels very, very right. And I was like, and then I have these moments where I'm like, is this complete and total crap? Like either, either this is wonderful or this totally sucks. And I, And I was telling her that, and I said, that's how I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm having this moment right now. If I was, if I was doing this and I I was like, oh yeah, this is 100% great. I'm on easy street. I know I'm doing everything right. This is perfect. Everyone's going to 100% love it. Then what am I risking there? What of myself am I putting out there? Because if we're really putting ourselves and our true passion out there, it's going to be messy (laughs) and, you know, it's not going to be for everyone. 
so I was going through my own experience with this as I was, you know, teaching other people on how, on, you know, what my, what my tools are. So I was using the tools that I was teaching them as I was teaching them the tools. The whole thing was very meta, but, um, it made me, you know, revisit how I get through those moments. And part of it is definitely looking back on my previous experiences and, um, making what I call an imposter syndrome antidote. So your imposter syndrome antidote can be you know, in any, in any form, it can be a little, a small book where you write things down. It can be slips of paper that you put into a jar. Mine is a couple pages in my sketchbook where I draw and and write things. And basically you would put anything in your imposter syndrome antidote that when you see it, it reminds you of your awesomeness. (laughs) You know, it's an, it's an antidote to those moments when you have imposter syndrome. So maybe for me, I, I might write in mine, you know, sold out craftcation conference, you know, or even produced a conference before ever having actually been to a conference as an attendee, <laughs> you know, made something that I didn't even know what it was supposed to be, or, you know, have been in business with, for myself for 20 years, or um, even I put personal things on there. So, you know, something I'd probably put in there is like gave birth to a child. Like I grew a human, a human child in my body and then like, made a person. I, and then I birthed him, right? Know? Created an like, entire human. Yeah. And I remember after that, like week after I had him, I felt like a champion. Like I was like, I am a woman. I have birthed human baby. It was just like the strangest thing. And every woman I saw everywhere that had it, that had a kid, like when I was out, I was just like, yeah, man, man, you solid, you know, like in my head, I was like, we're in this club of like badasses now. And granted, I will say I, w- I didn't become a mother until I was 43. So I spent like my whole life not having that experience. And I had a very, very fulfilling life before. And I have one now. So I'm not saying you have to have kids to have a fill- fulfilling life by any means. But for me, that became something that was, you know, that helped me feel like my badass self. <laughs> and I would say anything that makes you feel like that should go in your imposter syndrome antidote, whether it's personal or business or what, whatever the case may be. And then when you're having those moments, it can even be like an action. Like mine could be like call Katie Mack right now, you know, so that she can tell me, you know, why, what's, what's awesome about me. So you put together your imposter syndrome antidote. And then when you're having one of those moments, boom, you draw on it, you open that book, you pull something out of the jar, you look at that page in your sketchbook and you remember that you are a badass. Okay. That's brilliant. Where is this course going to be? Um, so this is our goal getting course and this is part of camp dear handmade life. So this part of it has already started, but we will be doing it again next year. So, um, next summer there'll be another camp dear handmade life summer project. And I don't know, we may release the goal getting course at, at some other point, but if, if you're listening and you're interested in it, you can head to dearhandmadelife.com and join our mailing list because that's generally the first place we talk about everything. Email lists the way to go, man. Mm-hmm. I love that your newsletter is the first place that you go to tell your community about all the things. So everybody go and get on Nicole's email list because you want to hear about all the things. It's incredibly important. 
Thanks for listening to part one of Nicole Stevenson's interview. You can find more of her at DearHandmadeLife.com and you can catch the next part of this series next week where we'll be diving right in with why Nicole finds herself a great deep dive conversationalist.